Welcome to Redemption's podcast. This is Corey Ball, lead pastor at Redemption Community Church, found in Kirkwood, Missouri, in the greater St. Louis area. Before we dive into the content, I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook to stay current on all things Redemption. You'll find both of these accounts by searching Redemption STL. But more than anything, we hope that this podcast will help inspire and challenge you to take your next steps in following Jesus. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, or redemption, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM us on our socials or text us at 314-391-4141. And now, without further ado, here is the content you are looking for. Enjoy. Well, we are in um, week three of Mission Critical. This is our final week of this series. And the first week, we looked at the question, why is redemption the way that it is, uh, was the question that we asked. And we talked about uh, the idea that that vision statements, they die on walls, but vision culture permeates those walls. And we want to be a church that has a vision culture. We want to be a church that has a culture that, that, that lives and breathes through our organization. It doesn't just die on a wall, okay? Um, so that was week one. Week two, we talked about last week, we talked about what does it mean to be Christ committed. And uh, unfortunately, that entire sermon is lost forever, okay, because the recording didn't work. And, uh, and so that happens from time to time. We have technical error. And, uh, and so if, if you missed it, I'm sorry, uh, you're never going to get it again. Um, but we talked about what does it mean to be Christ committed. And I do want to give you one highlight on there. And, and I, when I was preparing for this sermon, this just really stood out to me. And so I hope it, hope it stands out to you. Um, and this is from, uh, from A.W. Tozer. Somebody asked him, they said, what does it mean for someone who is crucified? Like what, what, is, what is the characteristic of somebody who is crucified? And he, he says this, he says, they're facing one way, they're not going back, and they have no further plans of their own. They're facing one way, they're not going back, and they have no further plans of their own. And so the question is, uh, are you facing one way towards Christ? Or are you not going back to whatever you left behind? And do you have no further plans of your own? Or do you hold your plans in your hand and they're conflicting with God's plan? So I want you to think about that a little bit. And uh, so that's what we talked about last week. Again, if you missed it, I'm sorry. You missed it forever. That's why you should come to church every week, you know, if you can. But it was a holiday week until you get that. Okay, today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what does it mean to be church committed? Uh, what, what does it mean to be church committed? If we're going to be a church that is mission critical, that we're focused on something that is mission critical. And by the way, uh, we believe here at Redemption that mission critical is, is summed up in, in our, our mission statement to help people meet, know, and live for Jesus. Um, we're going to do everything we can to help people meet, know, and live for Jesus. If, if, if we're going to be uh, a church that's focused on things that are mission critical, then we believe that you have to be Christ committed and you have to be church committed. You have to be all in. You have to be ready to say, yes, I'm all in. And so if, if we're going to be mission critical, those are the things that are going to be characteristics of us. But um, I was going to talk about that. Um, well, before I get there, let me say this. Um, okay, so some of you, some of you have church hurt in like legit church hurt. Um, I believe that there are men and women who have used their places of power and their authority to gaslight you, to manipulate you, um, to embarrass you and shame you in improper and unhealthy ways, okay? So real church hurt. Now, if you had a disagreement with a pastor and like they didn't see eye to eye with you and you got ticked and you left, that's not church hurt. You just need to get over that. People have, people have differing opinions on things, Okay. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real hurts, like real abuse. 
if that's you, I, I, I just want to say, like, thanks for coming. <laughs> glad you're in church. Like, glad you're giving church uh, another opportunity or a second or third, fourth, fifth opportunity. And, uh, and so it's really hard sometimes to give into and to be a part of something that has a lot of power often in society or with other people. And it's hard sometimes to give yourself over to that after it's, it's hurt you. Um, and so I just want to say thanks for coming, okay, um, if that's you. And if you ever want to talk about that, like, I would love to talk to you about that. And, um, um, yeah, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm open to chat about that. Today what I was going to do is I was going to talk about what does it mean to be church committed, but we're going to change it up, okay. We're, we're going to change it up because let's be honest, like, the church, maybe it's not that great. Maybe the church isn't that great. Maybe there's a lot of things that you could be doing right now other than sitting in your seat. Um, I, I'm part of a fantasy football league, right? And uh, I'm like, I, I mean, what's the score, Justin? I'm playing Justin this week. Am I beating you? I, I want you to pull it up right now and tell me if I'm winning or you're winning. I just, I mean, if I'm winning, I want to gloat. If not, I'm going to cry. But who's winning? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, but it's still close. I, I really might lose. And if I lose tonight, I'm not going to post it on Instagram. If I win tonight, it's going all over the world. Okay, so anyway, like we could be at home watching football right now. Uh, we could be at Andy's, okay. Like I, I could be, you know, enjoying a, uh, uh, you know, Jackie Brown uh, uh, or, or James Brown jackhammer. If you've ever had those, they're incredible. Like if you want some empty calories and just good times, Call up some friends and go to Andy's, right? Okay, like there's a lot of things that we could be doing other than being here at church. You've chosen to come here. I don't know why. Okay, we're going to talk about that. I don't know why. Um, but I, I think that sometimes the church is, is not that great and sometimes uh, we give ourselves over to it and I, I question why. Okay, so today what we're going to talk about is this. We're going to talk about five reasons why you shouldn't go to church. And so here they're going to be on the screen. The first one is that the church... Uh, is not, um, there we go, the church is not perfect. It's, it isn't perfect, okay? Duh, right? Number two, you don't need the church to be saved. We're going to talk about that. Number three, needing others is weak. Let's go. Can I get an amen? Number four, uh, living for the benefit of others will just slow you down. And number five, you can fulfill the great commission on your own, okay? So, um, so this is what we're going to talk about today. And, and, and as we talk about this, what I want to talk about is what the early church fathers said about the church. Yeah, I did this thing where like I went back and I read the, the, the church fathers and mothers from the first 100 and 200 years and, and just kind of a sampling of things that they said about the church. And the reason I did that is because, uh, I hear this all the time in our culture, uh, the church that we have today, it's not great. And it's not what it was intended. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the early church fathers, they knew exactly what it was supposed to be like and, and it's supposed to be blank, but we're not there, we're over here. Um, and so I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, maybe. So, like, let's see what the church fathers said about the church, and let's, let's look into that, all right? So, anyway, that's, uh, that's what we're going to talk about. So, five reasons why you shouldn't go to church, okay? So, you know, buckle up, buttercup, we're, we're going to town. Okay, number one, the church isn't perfect. Like, have you, have you seen the Hillsong uh, documentary, <laughs> Church Exposed? Have, have you listened to Mars Hill, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast? Um, have you heard about all the sex scandals and things like that that are happening in the church? Like, you... I mean, like, you, you would be blind if you didn't see that the church isn't perfect. And you are perfect. You are perfect. And so what you need is you need a perfect group of people to associate with. Because the problem is this. When you come to church and it's filled with, like, imperfect people, like, you're probably perfect and the person to the left of you and the right of you is probably not perfect. That's normally how it works. And so you're perfect. Like, you need a perfect group of people to be a part of. And so get involved in our schools. 
because our schools are perfect. They're so perfect. Like they have, they have the best morals in the world, like top to bottom. They have the, they have the you know, like uh, the best uh, motives, okay? So get involved in our schools because that's, you should be a part of a perfect group. Um, uh, you know, another group would be like a BNI group or a chamber of commerce group, a bunch of businessmen and women because like perfect motives and just they're perfect people. And so you should be involved in that group because they're perfect. Um, you know, another option is politics. Like you should be involved in politics. If you want to be around perfect people, if you want to be around perfect causes, if you want to be around uh, people who have pure motives and just want, they have, they're, they're super altruistic and, and, and they, they want to see the world be a better place. If, if you want to be a part of a, a perfect group, you should get involved in, in politics. I mean, if we all looked more like politicians, we would just all look more like saints, right? And so I, I just really want you to be a part of a perfect group and the church just isn't perfect. Uh, but, you know, Jesus, he, he didn't hang out with perfect people um, b- because they, they were already perfect, right? Like, they, they, were, they were basically, like, on the same platform as God, okay? That's, that's bad theology. I'm being sarcastic. But instead, Jesus, he, he hung out with the, the lower group of people, the people that were in the gutters, the, the people that were the moral dredges of our society. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, I love these verses. It says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to Jesus to listen to Jesus teach. Like these dirty, rotten sinners, they came to hang out with Jesus and to hear him teach. I love it. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Like, do you find yourself in that story there? Like, you're the teachers of religious law because you're perfect. And, and you're angry that Jesus would hang out with sinful people, right? If you're a perfect person, okay, Jesus, he, he hung out with sinners. And I get why it would make perfect people like us so upset that Jesus would hang out with sinners. Because we're perfect and we don't want, we don't want imperfections to come into this group of perfection, right? Like we are perfect. See, the church is a place for people who don't have it all figured out, people who are hurting and broken, people who need Christ's forgiveness and people who can't do life on their own. But that's not you. Because you're perfect. It doesn't sound like you. Hear this from St. Augustine. He talks about the church, and he he says this. He says, let us honor the Catholic church. By the way, this is the universal church or the the entirety of the church. The church fathers, when they talked about the Catholic church, they mean the the unified church, the one church, okay? So if you are a believer, you're a part of the Catholic church, all right? Uh, If you're, like, confused about that, we can talk about it later. You can still be a Protestant and be part of it according to them and their uh, vocabulary part of the Catholic Church because it's the universal church. Let us honor the Catholic Church, our true mother, the true bride of her husband, that's Jesus, because she is the wife of so great a Lord. And what shall I say? How great is that husband and of singular rank that he discovered a prostitute and he made her a virgin because she should not deny that she was a prostitute. He's talking about the church. She was a prostitute lest she forget the mercy of her liberator. How can it be said that she was not a prostitute for when she fornicated with demons and idols? He's talking about the church. Fornication was in the heart of everyone. A few have fornicated in the flesh, but everyone has fornicated in his heart. And he, meaning Jesus, he came and he made her the church a virgin. He made the church a virgin. See, Jesus comes into the scene. He comes onto the scene. He loves the church in such a way that he purifies her. He takes all the imperfections and he makes them perfect. Augustine is saying that the church 
uh, was a group of people who toyed around with demons and idols and all these things. And uh, at the end of the day, um, Jesus, he, he, he removed the blemish of the church and made those who believe in him white as snow. Um, but, but I get it. Like, the church isn't perfect. You need to belong to a group that is perfect. So get involved in the schools. Get involved in the Chamber of Commerce. Become a politician. You need a group of perfect people to be a part of. Uh, number two, you don't need the church to be saved. Um, you don't need the church to be saved. You, you just need Jesus. In the end, you need a decapitated Jesus. Not decapitated. Um, that's not the word. I'm sorry. Um, can I get a definition for decapitated? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, of a person or animal having the head cut off. No, no, that's right. Yeah, that's right. No, you want a decapitated Jesus because here's the deal: the church is the body of Christ. But you don't want Jesus, you just want the head of the body of Christ. You just want the head. You just want the head. You want Jesus, but you don't want his body. Do you see this? Like what you want is you want to carry around the head of Jesus and worship that alone. You want a decapitated Jesus because you don't need the church to be saved. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18 says this. It says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Romans chapter 12 verses 4 through 5 says this. It says, just as our bodies have been many parts or have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. So Paul is saying that Jesus is the head of the church, the church is the body, and he's talking as if the head and the body are connected, that they're spiritually connected. And it's weird because, like, uh, the church fathers believed the same thing. They believed that the head, Christ, and the body, the church, are connected. And so I'm curious um, exactly what they would say. Like, what exactly would the church fathers say? Because we, we don't need the church to be saved. Like, we have Jesus, right? So, okay, so, so what do the church fathers say? Well, St. Augustine, he says this. He says, it is said that there is no salvation outside the church. Interesting. Who denies this? And therefore, whatever things of the church are had outside the church do not avail unto salvation. Okay? He also says this. He cannot have God for his father who will not have the church for his mother. Interesting. Okay, St. Cyprian of, Car of Carthage says something very similar. No one can have God for his father who has not the church for his mother. Interesting. Uh, one of my favorite, coming up here, one of my favorite uh, church fathers, um, Gregory the Great, he says this. He says, the holy universal church teaches that it is not possible to worship God truly except in her, the church. And the Holy Universal Church asserts this, that all who are outside of her will not be saved. Wow, it's interesting. These church fathers, crazy what they're saying here. Uh, Clement of Alexandria says this, just as God's will is creation and is called the world, so his intention in the salvation of men, okay, and it is called the church, <laughs> What are the church fathers saying here? That you can't worship a decapitated Jesus. You can't. That when you, when you come unto Jesus, it's, it's you get the head and the body together. You can't be my friend but just be the friend of my head, 
right? You're like, no, I love Corey. I know Corey. I, he doesn't have a body. I just like his head, right? No, no, like when we're friends, like you get the whole package, okay? Like we're friends. When I show up to your house, I'm not just coming with my head in a cart, whatever. It's like everything, okay? Um, and so uh, this is what the church fathers are saying. But what do the church fathers know? What do they know? What does Paul know? That's crazy. Okay, uh, number three, needing others is weak. It's weak to need others. You can do it on your own. Like, you can live this life on your own. You can, you, can, you can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps because this is what you did in education. This is what you did when you uh, became so intelligent, right? Like, when you went through school, you didn't have help of parents and teachers, administrators, coaches, and peers. You did it all on your own, baby. Like, you, you became smart on your own. You didn't need those people. Because needing, needing others, needing other people, it's weak. You did it all on your own, right? Okay, so, uh, or maybe like your career. Like when you entered your career, whatever your field is, like you did it all on your own. You didn't use other people. No, no, nobody else helped you. It was just you. Uh, it wasn't your mentors and coaches, bosses, coworkers, people who bet on you and gambled that you would make it, people that said, you know what, no, no, no hire this one because he or she is a diamond in the rough. Nobody said that for you. You, you did it all on your own. Good for you. Because needing others is weak. Did you know, did you know that a herd of zebras is called a dazzle? Yeah, it is. It's awesome. It's called a dazzle. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, you guys are doubting me right now, and I just saw a couple of you grab a phone, and you're going to Google it. How dare you? I have the Google for you. Okay? It's called a dazzle, all right? It's called a dazzle, okay? Uh, what is a group of zebras called? A dazzle of zebras is the most common collective noun. All right, so it's a dazzle. Okay, so um, here I have, I have a photo of a zebra who's not with her dazzle. Um, she's just kind of hanging out. So this zebra, this, this zebra's just sleeping. So zebra and lioness, they're friends, and zebra's taking a nap, okay? And what, this is, I'm just going set to the, set the scene. I'm going to set the photo up for you. What's happening is lioness has a hot date tonight, okay? And lioness is like, she went out, you know, to Mac counter, and she bought like, you know, the color code hot date night red lipstick. And she put it all on, right? And she's like, let's go. Like tonight, hot date night, right? And so Lioness is so excited. And she went to wake up her friend Zebra, okay? And, uh, and, and this is, I, I, know, I know what this looks like. It looks like this lion is eating this zebra. That's not what's happening. So um, anyway, they're just friends. They're, they're buddies, okay? But here's the thing. Um, this zebra, she doesn't need her dazzle. She's fine without her dazzle. She doesn't need the dazzle. This zebra still has the identity of being a zebra. The zebra still has zebra stripes. The zebra can still say that I am a zebra. And the zebra has the stripes and everything for now, okay? Um, the zebra doesn't need the dazzle. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says this. It says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for whom or looking for someone to devour. I brought New King James Version in there from memory. Look at that. L looking for someone to devour. Satan may be prowling, but you're sprinting, right? And, and you can run faster than Satan. Uh, and, and, and so really, just like this, this zebra here, uh, you can escape the chase of Satan by yourself. You don't need a dazzle around you. You don't you don't need a herd to help you out, to love you, to pick you up when you've fallen and broken, to, to defend you from Satan because you're faster than Satan. You don't need a, you don't need a dazzle because needing others is weak. So um, 
we don't, we don't need the church. It's, it's worthless. Okay, number four, um, living for the benefit of others will just slow you down. It's just going to slow you down. You're, you're going to become slower if you help other people out. Why would you help anybody out? Like selfishness is cool, right? Like we don't care about other people. We don't care about the needs of others around us. Like what is paramount is this. Our happiness is paramount. Our happy, well, not your happiness, sorry. My happiness is paramount. Like I need to be happy and I don't care if you're happy. And the truth is you should, you should be the same. Like you should be like, hey, uh, as an individual, my happiness is paramount and anybody else in the church or anybody else in the world, like their happiness doesn't matter, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, living for the benefit of others, it's just going to slow us down. I think you've all heard this African proverb, but it says this, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. But we don't want to go far, do we? No, we don't. We just want to go fast. Hello, microwave, right? Like we live in such a quick microwave society and generation. Like I want it and I want it now. Uh, like I want to open up. I mean, like like Instagram was just like, it's, it's not good for me because like when I open it up, it's not, a, it's not immediate entertainment. I, I need TikTok, right? Because I open it up, it's immediate, like just immersive, okay? Like we need to be always happy, we always need to be worrying about ourselves. Again, selfishness, it's cool, okay? And, uh, and, and here's the thing, like, we need to live for ourselves. And if, if other people in this church, if they've, if they've come to Christ and, and they're, they're um, you know, spiritually mature, they're just new to the faith, they can just pull themselves up by their own bootstraps and teach themselves about Christ. You don't have to do that because nobody did it for you. It was just you and your Bible. That was it. Like you didn't have the, the help of, of parents or pastors or, or Bible study leaders or community group leaders or authors. Like nobody else helped you out. You did it all by yourself. And the church fathers and, and, and you know, the New Testament writers, they would say the same thing. We don't need to love other people or help other people uh, spiritually towards, towards Christ. In fact, we can just say, I'm spiritually mature and then do nothing in the New Testament. If you just declare it, I actually knew somebody, <laughs> she said to me, she goes, um, she goes, yeah, I'm an expert on, on this, this, this subject, blah, 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 okay? This is, by the way, is a rabbit trail, it's not in the sermon, it just popped in my head, and this is crazy. She said to me, I'm an expert on blah, blah, blah. I go, man, that's fascinating. Will you, will, you, will you give me some more? Like, tell me more. What makes you an expert? And she goes, I call myself that. And I was like, what? And she goes, I call myself an expert, and so I am. And I'm like, listen here, carpe diem. I don't think this is how it works, okay? Like, I don't think you just say it and, and you are, okay? Like, I'm, I'm a Super Bowl. I'm a Super Bowl winner, right? Like, check out my ring that you can't see, okay? A anyway, she was so clear to be like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm an expert. And, uh, and I was like, no, I, I literally go, no, you're not. And she goes, yes, I am. I go, no, I, I'm saying, how many years have you been doing this? Two years. Yeah, you're not an expert. And she goes, if I say, if I say so I am, I go, yeah, I think we have, we're working on different, you know, voc vocabularies. We're working on different definitions here, different dictionaries, okay? Paul was probably just writing suggestions here. Oh, sorry, I got to tie that in. I just gave you a, a stupid story and I didn't tie it in. Uh, the stupid story ties in this way. We, we can't just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm spiritually mature. I am spiritually mature. But then nothing in our life shows that. Uh, you're, you're not spiritually mature, you're a fake. Okay, so Paul, Paul was probably just writing suggestions when he says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 15 through 16. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, Paul, he's talking to the, to the church at Corinth, uh, you, have, you have all these people to teach you about Christ, uh, for um, uh, you have only one spiritual father. 
For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. Paul is saying, yeah, all these people tell you about Jesus, but I'm your spiritual father. Why? Because I led you to Christ. Interesting. Well, Paul, he just doesn't understand that if you live for others, it's just going to slow you down. I wish Paul would get this. Uh, Titus chapter 2, he says this in verses 1 through 8. As for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men, get this, teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Yeah, Titus, go, go, go waste your life and like teach older men. Um, it's going to slow you down, but just go do it, okay? In verse 3, similarly, teach the old, older women to live in the way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they must teach others what is good. They, they need to slow down to teach others. Yeah, they're just wasting time. Uh, these older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and to be pure, to work in their homes, to do good and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. Verse 6, and in the same way encourage the young men to live wisely, and you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. But you don't need to be somebody's father and mother. You don't need to be an aunt or uncle to somebody. You don't need to do that. They just need to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Because you didn't have a spiritual mother or a spiritual father or a spiritual aunt or a spiritual uncle who helped you out. Nobody's, nobody's helped you through this. And so, so you don't need to be that for somebody else. And if you're spiritually mature, you definitely don't need to, to do that. You can just live for yourself. Again, selfishness. It's super cool. And, um, and here's the thing. Like, you have a family. You have a family to take care of. You have a house. Titus probably didn't have that. Paul didn't have that. None of the disciples had any of those things. They didn't have businesses or anything. They, 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 were, they probably all lived in their mom's basement and then just did this Jesus thing full time. But you have, a, you have a family. You have kids. You have a business. You have hobbies. You have friends. You don't have time to fulfill the words of Jesus in, in the New Testament writers. Like those guys, they're crazy. Also, don't mind this quote from our church father, Tertullian. He says, he who lives only to benefit himself confers to the world a benefit when he dies. Uh, he who lives only to benefit himself confers on the world a benefit when he dies. What are we living for? Uh, we all know the Great Commission, and you can fulfill the Great Commission on your own. Here's the last one. You can fulfill the Great Commission on your own. I'm going to read the Great Commission just so we're all, you know, we're, we, we, we know it for sure. It says this in Matthew 28. And, and uh, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. See, and here's the thing. Like, um, Jesus, he gave the, the Great Commission to 11 disciples. And then they, like, surrounded themselves with thousands of people that helped them fulfill it, which is crazy. Um, because I don't know why they did that, because, like, they could do it on their own. They don't need other people. Um, but for some reason, they were really foolish, and they, like, brought other people into the thing that God called them to do, and then they were like, hey, guys, like, more than one person is better, right? So, like, let's do it together, okay? They were just stupid. 
Because the truth is this, that like you can tell on your own, you can tell billions of people about Jesus. There are billions of people on this world, on this earth, in this world. You can tell billions of people about Jesus on your own. You don't need the church to fulfill the one thing that God called us to do before he left the earth. But you don't need the church to do that. You can tell billions of people about Jesus. You can baptize millions of people on your own in all your free time, you know. Like you guys have so much free time. In all your free time, you can just, you can just baptize them all. Um, and, uh, you know, and then, like, you need to disciple them, right. And so you can do that. You can disciple them all on your own. You don't need the church. Why would you need the church to do that? I think sometime in between, you know, your two jobs or your, you know, two, two companies or all your, all your friends and, and, and all the things that you do in your six fantasy leagues and, and all the stuff, you can do it on your own. You don't need the church. So if you decide, though, to lean on the church a bit, Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, 6 through 8. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for, being, or for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you, and if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are, uh, if, if you are a teacher, teach well. If, you, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing others kindness or showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but see... All these things in the New Testament, they're written to normies, right? They're written to, they're written to humans, but you're not, you're not a human. You're cut out of the same cloth as God. You're above humans. You're perfect. You've got it all together. You, like, you, you, don't need, you don't need a dazzle <laughs> to keep you safe from Satan. You don't need the New Testament to fulfill the, the Great Commission. Like, you're better than that. So, um, but, but that's it right here, these five things. The church isn't perfect. You don't need the church to be saved. Needing others is weak. Living for the benefit of others is just going to slow you down, and you can fulfill the Great Commission on your own. The church is basically worthless. It's of no value to a perfect person. But if you're not a perfect person, let me, let me talk to you in the closing here. If you're not a perfect person, if life beats you down, if temptation gets the best of you, if you need others to lift you up from time to time, if you see the value of being a part of a spiritual family, if you're looking for a place to receive grace and love, if you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself, if you want to build the kingdom God's way, if you want to experience heaven on earth and the church is for you, the ones who say that they don't need the church are often the same people who claim to be spiritually mature, but they're actually just selfish, bitter people who don't want to be inconvenienced by the complexities and peculiarities of others who aren't exactly like them. Because let's be honest, the church is a weird melting pot. People of different backgrounds, colors, races, cultures, ages, and generations. People of different mental capacities, levels of intelligence. People that talk, eat, drink, laugh, and smell differently than you do. People that don't vote the same as you. And people that have different philosophies around how to live the good life. People who are of different educational backgrounds, work backgrounds, and family structures. And people who are of a different spiritual maturity all come together and they say this. They say, we are broken, imperfect, sinful people in need of a perfect God to save us from our human ways. 
And it is that same group of people that invite others to be a part of this movement toward Jesus by saying, I was once blind, but now I can see. Follow me to the only one who can open up your eyes by healing your heart and curing the disease of your soul. This is the church, and I'm happy to be a part of it. We will lift each other up when we are broken. We will feed one another when we are hungry. We will pick one another up when we will stumble and fall. We will clear one another uh, or cheer one another on through our victories. And we will provide a shoulder to cry on when we grieve. We will be vulnerable about our weaknesses. We will repent and lament of our sins together, pressing on to holiness. We will share our blessings and be generous and be a generous force in each other's lives. We will work to build a world-class church because we believe redemption's cultural statement. If better is possible, then good is simply not good enough. And together we will put our hand to the plow and labor to see those who are spiritually dead come alive in Christ. This is the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? Hallelujah, holy cow, where's the Tylenol? Uh, I feel like Clark Griswold up here, okay? This is the church, and I am begging you to be a part of the greatest thing that could ever be in your life. I don't know if you remember, but I I, I remember moments in my life where I look back and, and I look at a group of people and I go, you know what? Together we achieved greatness. I don't know what that is for you or if you've never been a part of that, but I'm inviting you forward to be a part of greatness. And together, by the grace of God, we pray for that. So, Father, I pray that you would do great things in this church. Father, I pray that you would do great things in this community, the community that we find ourselves in here, Sunset Hills and the surrounding areas. God, I pray that lives would be changed. God, I pray that we would use our resources in a wise way, that we would steward them not for our own benefit or for our own gain, but for your glory and your good. God, I pray that the kingdom of God would grow. God, I pray that when, when, when we fall down and we, we skin our knee and, and we're, we're down and out, God, I pray that we would be there to help each other up. God, I pray that, that this church would look back in 30, 40, 50 years and say, remember when? Remember when it was hard? Remember when we were setting up and tearing down? Remember when we had 40 people in the service? Uh, remember back, that is such a faint memory. It's like, it's like vapor and smoke into the summer sky. So God, I pray that I pray that you would work in a way that we would be blown away by your goodness. God, at the end of the day, I pray that we would receive no glory, but it would all go to you. God, I pray that people in this church right now who are hearing this and those who are listening to the podcast, God, I pray that they would be ready to, to step in to be a part of this. That they would realize that there's countless reasons to be a part of a church. And, um, and, and the, the reasons to not go to church just end up sounding ridiculous. God, we are sinful people. We are broken, and that's why we need you. It's all these things we ask and pray for in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.